There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, he's a writer, he's a broadcaster, he's a political expert. Of course, he's an art collector. You may or may not know that, but he's also a poet and he's with me now. Eamon Mali, Eamon, good morning. Good morning, Frank. Eamon, I have to say, I'm very impressed with this book of poetry called Under the Tilly Lamp. I have to say there'll be a few people who've lost us already. They'll think, what on earth is a tilly lamp? I know what a tilly lamp is because I grew up in the countryside. I had a granny who didn't have running water. I know what a tilly lamp can bring to a dark house in the countryside. Um, just describe a tilly lamp to those to the uninitiated. Well, <coughs> excuse me. It was a long night last night in the lyric. <laughs> you know, if I eventually made the lyric, you know, I can say now I performed in the lyric, you know. Right? This was for the launch of the book, uh, yes. of course. Um, the, the book is called Under the Tilly Lamp, uh, and the reason for that is I studied Under a Tilly Lamp, uh, and that's where I conjugated and declined uh, all the, the verbs and nouns and all that sort of things, you know, when I was a student at home. But um, the, 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 the Tilly lamp was a step up from the hurricane, uh, the hurricane lamp. Uh, the Tilly lamp was fueled by um, paraffin oil, uh, and the, the mantle was lit using methylated spirits. Uh, so it was a, a tricky enough job, but... Uh, there's one poem in the in, in the book and uh, and uh, about the hurricane lamp, and it, it's about how other people perceived me because I was, uh, I suppose, working in an environment of paraffin oil and the and the smell of paraffin oil. But I'll come to that later. But um, yeah, I studied on the uh, the hurricane lamp. We had no electricity. We had no running water. Yes, plenty of running water down the walls. From this is in the fifties, you know, and then into the early sixties, Frank. And this know. is South Armagh. Yeah, but let me say we were a poor family living on the side of a valley. Uh, the valley was uh, it was like Milan was townland, and uh, I have anchored an awful lot of the poetry and the poems in Lake Milan. There were about twelve or fourteen families scattered um, about. Uh, over two miles in, in this. So we were very interdependent and uh, there were so many centric people among them. People you would see um, but you wouldn't get too close for them close uh, to, to them and uh, that, that I, I've written about a few of those people in the book I've tried to capture the essence of them and the mystery, the mystique like Tommy Sands who joined me in the lyric last night, uh, he sang a song about a man who arrived in their neighbourhood and nobody knew much about him. Uh, he wore a cap but no one he said had a photograph of that man and we had a few strange people uh, in our neighbourhood and I've tried to capture the essence of those people uh, in in this particular book. I have to say I fully understand where Tommy Sands is coming from because I've spoken to Tommy about the man with the cap and I know who the man with the cap actually, I knew him before he passed away, he was a, lo- a lovely man and it would be fair to say that he was a relative of Tommy's and Tommy captured him in song perfectly, absolutely perfectly but to say that he was a unique character would be an understatement the country's full of characters who let you close enough but not 
fully in to understand them. So they have a sense of intrigue all the time. We've we've all had relatives in the country like that. Yes, um, uh, Tony Blair in his uh, in his autobiography uh, spoke very lovingly about an old aunt that he had in Donegal, and. Uh, they hated going to the house because the cups weren't too clean and they were chipped. And Tony's mother used to have to caution them and counsel them and uh, really, really sort of discipline them almost because they were turning up their noses at these old chip cups and maybe a cup not washed too well, you know. So we've all had those sort of ants, uh, curious sort of people, you know, and different ways of life. And that, that's just the, the difficulty. So I've, I've got a sense, I've got a sense actually that it's the, it's the cul- Country people that understand more what we're talking about, as opposed to someone who's who's living in the city. Do, do, do those people exist in the city, or are they based in South Down and South Armagh? Ah, oh, no, no, no. There's some wonderful characters around the city as well. But uh, you know, if you live in the Malone Road area, you you don't necessarily meet them there. But if, if you go out out, uh, out into sort of East Belfast and West Belfast and North Belfast, they're there. But you you have to dig them out, you know. <laughs> dig them out. <laughs> well, uh, the first poem, if you don't mind, I'm going to read uh, uh, Frank. It's it's a very personal poem. It's about my grandson. Okay, well, I, 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 I want you to read it and then I want, to, I, I want to ask you a few more questions about when you wrote them, but go, go ahead. Yes. Uh, this poem is called Rory and Elan. Rory's my grandson uh, and uh, we have five grandchildren, uh, but Rory and I were in the garden one afternoon and he was, he was sort of standing, uh, almost standing between my, my legs and he, suddenly he ran away, he dashed off. And uh, this is what ensued. Rory and Elam. My four-year-old grandson Rory in red T-shirt and blue shorts raced off calling out, Catch me, Papa, catch me! Perching himself upon a concrete deck, he crowed, Den, den, den! You're cheating, that's not den, I protested. You made that up. Get down on the grass and we'll agree den, I urged. Arcing his legs like a dipper bobbing on a river rock, Rory dismissed me with a tilt of his head, again calling out, Den, den, den! All evening, the image of Rory, red T-shirt, blue shorts, rested on my retina, my face wreathed in smiles, Den, den, den! Issuing from my lips like an ancient prayer. News at ten. The body of three-year-old Aaron Curdy, in red T-shirt and blue shorts, symbol of the refugee crisis, lay dead, washed up on a Turkish beach. And we all know that image. We all know that image. And you've captured that brilliantly because when we saw that child, we all thought of our own little kids, the kids in our own street, the the, the nieces and nephews, in, in your case, your grandson. It's poignant, that, Eamon. Well, uh, you know, it, it was a bit of... Oh, excuse me. Uh, there was a bit of... Um, my wife was a little uncomfortable, Dada, about publishing the poem because it was very personal to us. Uh, but anyhow, uh, we discussed it, and I discussed it with the child's mother, and uh, she was, she really wanted to publish because she she wanted the message to get out there uh, to make everybody aware of the, the beauty 
of, of the home life and happy children contrasted with the awfulness, the awfulness and the ugliness visited upon some poor, innocent little children and people across the world. And mind you, Frank, at this moment in time, with all those lives lost in uh, containers across Europe, etc., you know... Uh, that's why we've got to keep highlighting these injustices. Not every, not every poem, of course, has a social message in it or a message of justice or injustice. Some of them are very short. Yeah. Some of them are poignant. Some of them are colourful. Some of them are funny. Um, there's, there's over 30 here. Over what period of time did you write these? 18 months, roughly. They've been in my head for 50 years. I've been carrying them around. I would have um, penned a few lines here and there when I was in college, moved from one apartment to another, flat to flat, and then moved houses a number of times. And I would a number of times, and I would have left them behind. But they were always there. And I think too, uh, Frank, and you'd understand this being a countryman again. There's something about in me as I get older about going back home. Um, I, I, I am my mortality is obviously coming uh, somewhere down the line and uh, I think I'm working towards that all the time trying to capture the past I'm trying to capture something of the life to which uh, I was accustomed as a child uh, a poor family like so many other people Like so that's basically it but I contemporize things uh, I read the next little poem it's very short uh, Frank it's called Kardashian Delusions which brings us right up to the modern day and uh, her priest, Father O'Donnell, Eddie O'Donnell, surprised me one Sunday when he started talking about the Kardashians. And uh, I was uh, thinking, gosh, I said, I, I think I could do something with that. So this poem is called Kardashian Delusions. Eighteen Christmases after ordination came Gordon Lang's installation as Archbishop of Canterbury. He was confidant to the royal family. His counsel was sought and afforded. On retirement, Archbishop Blang lamented, Having been somebody, I shall now be nobody. Did he not know the real somebodies are the nobodies? Is that not a bit hard? Well, this on the was somebodies. my point. <laughs> this, this was my point, uh, Frank. Um... You think of the life's experience that man had. And he was somewhat delusional. And it's very easy for us all to think that we're important. But you soon realize that you're not important. And go and stand at a graveside and you have to wonder how relevant you were or are. So we've got to remind ourselves sometimes that uh, life is transient, is temporary, and we shouldn't get carried away with our self-importance. And I have to remind myself of that, Tom, or um, Frank. Uh, I'm a bit obsessed with Tommy Sands because I spent two and a half hours on the stage last night with him, you know. He put in a wonderful performance. And the irony is, Frank, uh, we were supposed to have a, a, a rehearsal at four o'clock. <laughs> 
<laughs> Tommy <laughs> arrived at seven. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and yet the whole the whole night seemed to have gone seamlessly. Uh, I know the stanzas for a long, long time. Colm sat beside me uh, when, I, when I was 11, 12 years of age in school. So uh, I know the stanzas for a long, long, long time. And Tommy is a wonderful, wonderful storyteller himself. So uh, I thought that given that not everybody is uh, necessarily an avid poetry lover, I thought it'd be a good idea uh, to uh, invite Tommy to join me to develop thematically in song uh, what I was writing in poetry. So he chimed beautifully because he's, he's such a sensitive person. He's a songwriter himself. So anyway, the next poem, if you don't mind, Frank, would probably be very familiar to you. It's called Marbles. And uh, what child didn't play marbles? So if we, uh, I'll read this poem. And it's, it's centred once again in Glenmite, like mine in our town land at home. As a family, we lived, ate, and played in the one room in our Lake Milan home. On that part, earth, part cement floor, my brother Michael and I did battle in the Lake Milan World Marbles Championship. A circle was drawn, pool of marbles placed in the centre. My favourite marble was one I affectionately called my wee dinger, the smallest marble on the floor. It was my sharpshooter for attacking those other big bullying balls of glass. How I loved the zing ringing out from that little dinger as it ricocheted off his big rivals limping off to the outer limits. Each day saw the arrival of another cargo of marbles. Swapsies were very much in vogue in the schoolyard. To us, new marbles were new toys. When we parted for school, the gathering up of stray marbles was left to our poor mother. She was not happy. Mrs. Malley had had enough. Someday I'll break my neck on those bloody marbles lying all over the house. That's enough, she declared. The Army Council of One made her ruling. There was no going back. Michael took it upon himself to personally put her arsenal of marbles beyond use in a safe place. He chose a stone ditch for a hide near our spring well at home. Perhaps one day we would recommence our marbles campaign in different circumstances, we thought. Months later, we discovered the stone ditch collapsed under its own weight, disappearing our cache of marbles. One day I may return in search of my marbles beneath that stone ditch opposite our spring well. But who knows? Conceivably, in hundreds of years from now, our lost marbles will beckon archaeologists from all over the world to study an erratic vein of marble in South Armagh. That's a good South Armagh poem. There's, there are so many subtle references there to the history of, of South Armagh. And, and I also, in a sense, I was contemporising, uh, you know, with echoes of a very recent history in course. Northern Ireland, marrying the two. Of course, that's, that's, that's exactly what I mean by the, 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 it's so relevant to, to South Armagh, it's so relevant to, to Northern Ireland, but you being from Lemillion, is that the proper pronunciation? Legmilan. 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 Legmilan, yeah. Legmilan, yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I literally, I'm not joking, I, I could listen to you read this uh, for, for an hour. I haven't got an hour to do it, but you did mention, you did mention, um, uh, and you, you're getting older, and you accept yeah. you're getting older. I, I see there on page 14, uh, the the one maybe slight risk that you took in poetry, uh, describing an, an older an older man. I, I presume that's not yourself who's, who's out of breath. No, no, there. no. No, I just observed the situation. But if you don't mind, do you see the poem I wrote uh, above it? 
uh, if I die tonight. And that, that is a manifestation of my preoccupation with my own mortality and passing and time passing. I was at several funerals in the past week. We lost a very distinguished clergyman, uh, Ambrose Macaulay, who was chaplain in Queen's University. And I was at his funeral and uh, his grave is now outside the, the chapel door because he was responsible for building of the new chapel there in Derry Volgi in South Belfast. And it's appropriate that he should be buried uh, outside the church door. Remember Father Fall saying to me, when uh, Ambrose Macaulay built that church. He said, you know, he can die happy now. That's his offspring. That's the child he didn't have, the church. And uh, I was... um I was at his funeral. It was a very beautiful service. But this is a little poem uh, which reminds me of my mortality, Frank. If I die tonight... Oh, that a prayer wave would envelop my earthliness tonight when I close my eyes. And oh, that I'd be carried off to the Republic of Unconsciousness, where ugliness is unborn, where talk of war is a foreign tongue, where greed and lust are still born, and where grace will be my only neighbour. You worry about dying, Eamon? I think about it all the time. Uh, and increasingly you see, this is so. interesting, because I have this conversation with Jamie DeLarge. Jamie DeLarge, and you know, you're, you're peers of each other. Jamie DeLarge talks about, he constantly reminds me of how elderly his relatives turned out to be. They all lived till they're nearly 100. So I said to Jamie, Jamie, do you ever think about dying? I won't be dying. Everybody belonged to me lived till they're nearly 100. And that's so positive. You know, that's why the man is fit and healthy and vibrant and Sleek on sleek of foot, whereas you and I are more likely to be carrying a wee bit of weight and going around thinking about, oh, gee, we could die any time. Well, I, you know, um, yeah, my mum died at 59, my grandmother died at 54, my uncle at 57, and I would say. Uh, because I don't smoke, I don't drink, uh, and uh, I'm not too overweight, Frank. No, no, uh, but you're a similar uh, yeah, bill to myself. Yeah. Well, I have to watch my weight all the time. Neither of us are athletes. Yeah. But, um, you know, uh, I've had a great life. I've had a great life. But you're only a young man. You shouldn't be thinking about death. You shouldn't be writing well, about Elliot, death. There you, go. you should be doing... Read me Victoria <coughs> College, girls. This is what a, an elderly man should be doing, trying to catch a bus. No, you know, well, this was, in, this was inspired by uh, a poem by Paddy Kavanagh, you know, Patrick Kavanagh uh, from Inneskeen. He's my favourite poet of all poets. Even though I love Heaney and I read Heaney voraciously, but uh, Paddy Kavanagh is very, very special. Raglan Road, he, he wrote the famous uh, poem Raglan Road, which was uh, has been immortalised by Luke Kelly's wonderful version of it. But Victoria, this is an observation, right? Victoria College. Victoria College girls. I watched the old man watching the Victoria College girls running to catch the bus. The old man was trying to catch his breath. Seventy years and seventy yards between the old man trying to catch his breath and the Victoria College girls running catch the bus. Great movement in that. There's great movement in that poem. And we've all seen those old men, the steps getting shorter, taking them and more the skip time. skip of youth going past them. And just flashing by. And we were that youth one time. Oh, dear, don't depress me, Eva. Don't depress me. <laughs> we were that youth one time. I have to say, I love the painting, the, I love the portrait on the front. That's Colin Davidson. That's done by Colin Davidson. I've been friendly with Colin for 25, 30 years and uh, 
He's been a great friend to me, and he said one day, I'm going to paint your portrait. Great experience. Well, it's, it's no surprise, he's done it perfectly. I'll now forever see you as the contributor on this programme, as the one with the wee dinger, if you don't mind me saying. <laughs> it's a great word, isn't it? <laughs> great, great, great word. Eamon, the, the, the book, it's available generally, is it? Yes, and... Uh, um, I shall look after a lot of my friends, give them to them, give it to them, you know, and that type of thing. Lovely, but it will be... a lovely stocking it's, it's, filler. Who, yeah. who would... You know, where could people put their hands on it? Well, if they get in touch with me, DM me, at him and Mally, Twitter, or... Um, Use, it's about, it'll be about, I'll put it into some of the bookshops later in the week or something like that, you know. Eamon, great having you in. Uh, congratulations on uh, fulfilling a dream that's been, they've been in your head for 50 years. In the last 18 months, all 30-odd poems have come to fruition and it is a stocking filler. Eamon Malley, under the tilly lamp. Great seeing you, Eamon. Uh, thank you, thank you. We're heading towards the news at 11 o'clock. Good morning. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.